0: Hello and welcome to the Father's House Church. We're so glad that you could join us. We pray that you're blessed by today's message from our lead pastor, Greg Fraser. Well, why are we calling the church to a time of fasting and prayer in this season? As all of you are probably aware, because you probably feel the same way I do, I've been watching our world, obviously, for the last several years and just going, God, what is going on? God, what is going on? And every week, I keep saying the same thing, like, God, like, this is crazy. Now, we're moving into another level of crazy, and another, I'm like, okay, God, what is going on? And, you know, kind of that can become very discouraging. Are you following what I'm saying? It can be overwhelming to just stare at the world and go, this is not good, and Lord, what do we do about it? And then I was in uh, one of our morning prayer times just in the last uh, month or two, month and a half, two months ago, and our scripture was Psalm 11:13. It was actually all of the Psalm 11, but you ever read the Bible and suddenly a, a scripture just pops out at you and says, pay attention? This was our scripture that struck me and God was saying, listen to this verse. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? Isn't that a great question? If you are not aware the foundations of society are being attacked right now. How many of you know that family is one of the great foundations of a society? It just is. And I'm telling you, the family is under attack right now more than ever before. So when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, you know, for you and I, where good is becoming evil and evil is becoming good at a rapid pace, what can we do? You know, we know this uh, on our parliament building. There's many scriptures in our parliament. If you didn't know that, there are. Proverbs 29:18 is on one of the windows uh, of, the, of the peace tower. And I've quoted this many, many times in our church. Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. Where there is no vision, the people perish, it says in other versions. And, uh, you know, guys, this is on our, our parliament building. And it's not talking about a vision of a good government. It's talking about a vision of God. When there is no vision of God in the forefront of people's minds or thoughts or hearts, guess what happens? A nation starts to cast off restraint. People cast off restraint. And people go down roads that will destroy them. This is what the the Scripture is warning us about. You know, our society is plunging headlong off of a cliff. But what can we do? (laughs) What can the righteous do? Well, the most important and powerful card that the righteous can play in this hour is the card called prayer. 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 How can we do it? You know, we cry out to God. We're crying out to God in prayer, God, rescue, rescue me. God, rescue my family, God. God, rescue our nation. You know, every single game of sports played. They sing the national anthem. And I'm telling you, when I go to Oilers games and they're all singing, I, I just sing so loud at the part says, God, keep our land glorious and free. Oh Canada, we stand on guard for thee. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Everyone should look at you at that point in the thing because you're painted with your blue and orange, and you're like, you've got your shirt off, and you're like, yeah, and then you're like weeping while you're praying, oh, Canada, okay? That's the vision I have for some of you. Not me, but for some of you, I feel it. <laughs> Amen. Pray about this. The Lord will give you wisdom. Okay. Okay. You know what's so cool about prayer, guys? This is the most amazing thing. You can be a lousy singer. You can be not good whatever you can you can say well i don't have that gift i don't have that gift anybody can pray That's right. anyone can pray it doesn't matter what nationality you are it doesn't matter you know uh, where you come from it doesn't matter how old you are how young you are i'm telling you everybody can pray and you can become an expert in prayer maybe you cannot sing you know and nobody really wants to hear you sing god bless you you know <laughs> Hide it under a bushel, yes. You should hide it under a bushel, right? That's not your gift. In heaven, you'll be fine. But here, just silently, you know, meditate on the Lord's goodness. Okay. You're like, Pastor Greg, that really offended me. Well, okay. Um, It's why why I sit in the front row. I sit in the front row because I can sing as loud as I want, off key, and nobody's bothered by me. Amen? Okay, there you go. Okay, though I don't want to sing off-key, but sometimes it happens. So prayer, this divine level or church, you know, it's interesting, we called this sermon Standing on the Mountain of God. Why is prayer symbolized by climbing a mountain? Why is prayer symbolized by climbing a mountain? Well, because in the Bible, there's over 500 references uh, to mountains. And in most of the circumstances and, and ones that are talked about are really symbolizing going to the place where God is, that we go up to meet with God, a place where we can have a God encounter. That's why Psalm 121 and so many other scriptures say this kind of stuff, 1-2. says, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From whence shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You know, guys, uh, we live in the valleys. That's most of life. Most of life is lived in a valley. And... You know, that's okay. That's just the truth. But, you know, God has called us to the mountains at times. He's called us to go to the mountain because we need to meet with Him. By the way, coming here today was going to the mountain. Amen? You could have stayed home. You could begin prepping for the Super Bowl, cooking your chicken wings, all that stuff. But you came here today and uh, you've climbed the mountain with the Lord. So, what can the righteous do? We climb a mountain. In the Old Testament, we see this. Moses received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Mount Carmel was the place where Elijah took on the prophets of Baal. Mount Zion is the place where David started to capture the area that later became Jerusalem. All these are God encounters that climbed a mountain. It's interesting in the book of Haggai and uh, we're gonna talk about this for a couple minutes here. He challenges a good group of people who have lost focus of their primary responsibility. So the Jewish people had been uh, taken away in captivity, put in bondage, and brought to Babylon. And uh, for 70 years, it was prophesied that they would uh, be in this captivity, and then they'd be released, and they would return to Jerusalem, return to rebuilding the city and the nation. And so now they've been in captivity in Babylon, and uh, now they're getting released, and uh, the call of God is for them to return to, uh, to Jerusalem and rebuild the city that's been long devastated. And now remember, this is a full generation, 70 years they've been there. And, and suddenly a lot of people are going, no, I'm not going anywhere. I'm happy in Babylon. I've made a life here now. My kids are here. I, I want to stay in this area. I'm not going to go back and, and go back to Jerusalem. And so a lot, of, a lot of Jewish people stayed in Babylon. That's why you see Jewish people all over the nations of the world. Amen. And uh, that's just where they are, and then God uses them to influence those spots. So, but this group of people said, we're going to sacrifice, we're going to go back to, to Jerusalem, and we're going to rebuild the broken city. You can read about this in Nehemiah. You can read about it in, in several books in the Old Testament. And here we are. They're there. They begin to rebuild the city wall, which is incredible. They they rebuild this broken down wall. It takes them fifty two days to do it, and it's awesome. And now Jerusalem is being protected. And they begin to uh, go and and start to rebuild God's temple. And the Bible tells us that they rebuild the foundation of the temple, and then something happens. They stop building God's house, and for twenty years they just focus on their own houses. And so that's when the book of Haggai, that's when the prophet Haggai shows up unseen, and he basically tells off a good group of people, okay? And this is where we are in our story in the book of Haggai. The prophetic voice calls the people back to God's work. This is what the Lord Almighty says. You can read the story yourself in Haggai 1. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house. So that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. So these are good people, you guys. They've been set free. They've been set free from their captivity. They've used their freedom even to start the work of the Lord, but now they've lost their way a little bit. They've stopped building God's house. And in their time, they were actually building a physical temple, and they got off track, you know, and the prophet comes and says, Guys, it's time to get back on track. You're called to build the house of the Lord. And, and we now, today, we're not building a physical temple, but we're building a spiritual temple. And, and for the call of God to the church in this hour is, guys, you need to work on your temple. You're the temple of the Lord. And God's calling you to say, okay, enough, enough of just focusing on me. Now, it's interesting. What's interesting in that book is, you know, the prophet rebukes him. He says, you've taken your eyes off the house of God, and you've built your own houses paneled houses. And that word in the Hebrew, paneled, means like luxurious. It's beautiful. You've built your own really nice houses, but the house of God remains in ruin. So stop this, you guys. It's time to get your eyes back on building the temple of the Lord, you spiritual living stones. Well, how do we do that? We climb the mountain. I don't know if you caught that, but in our text it said, go up bring down, and build. And so going up this mountain, you know, really, guys, I want you to understand nothing happens in a believer's life without going up the mountain. Nothing happens. You know, you made a, I told you today, you actually went mountain climbing. You showed up today. Some of you raised your hands for the first time, maybe shouted for the first time ever in church. Is this even appropriate? I grew up Catholic, man. If you If you're dying, you just make your way out of the building and then you die out there. You don't do it in the building, okay? So, I mean, I grew up Catholic. I had two aunts that were nuns. Catholic, you know what I'm saying? Okay. I've told you this before. I thought about being a priest and then I read the stuff we have to do and I was like, "Mm, don't have the gift. Don't have the gift. Uh, I'm going to go to those Protestants. They, they let you get married. Okay, here we go. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> okay, so you're climbing the mountain. Pastor Greg, you're going off track. Okay, here we go. <laughs> the timber to produce the house of God church is only found in one place. Guys, listen to me. Religion can't produce it oh, I'm good, I've done enough, I I go to church, I tithe, that kid said we need to tithe, I'm gonna tithe. It doesn't matter, great that you tithe, it's out of obedience to God you tithe, but it doesn't make you right with God. I show up to church every week, three times a week, great that you do, you should, and if God's leading you to do that, be encouraged, hallelujah, but that doesn't make you right with God, okay? You know, man cannot produce that timber. Systems of government cannot produce that timber structures of man cannot produce that timber only being in the presence of god can produce that timber that's it and so there are times and things that we do because we're in god's presence and we want to continue to live in that presence serving is one of those things giving is one of those things worshiping is one of those things uh, you know serving is one of those things all of these things that we do in order to be right with god you guys not, be, not to make us right with God, but because we already are right with God. Amen? I do all those things because I'm right with God. Not to try to earn that stuff, but I'm already right with God because of what Jesus has done. So I want to look for a few minutes now at Jesus, how he models throughout the New Testament what it means to be a mountain climber. Jesus did this? Yeah. He knew that to do anything of eternal significance, he would have to climb a mountain. That's why he said in John 5.19, I tell you the truth, the Son of Man can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. It's such an interesting study, you guys. In the four Gospels, to watch Jesus and how many times he went up a mountain. How many times he called and invited people to meet him on a mountaintop experience. Why? Because he was demonstrating to the church, if you're going to meet with your father, if you're going to be with your father, you've got to learn how to climb a mountain. And so all these things, because Jesus knew the only way he could do anything of eternal significance was climbing that mountain. Here's a few of the examples that you can find in the Gospels. Number one, Jesus climbed the mountain as a place of intimacy with God. Matthew 14, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Was he alone? No, he wasn't alone. He was with his father. Hallelujah. You know, he got, you know, I always thought of this that Jesus got away from people. Jesus was so sick of being around us. He's like, oh, I got to go up a mountain and be with God. These people drive me nuts. That's how I kind of thought about ministry for a while. Not this church, but another church I was part of. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) so, but then I learned, you know, something else. Jesus doesn't go up a mountain just to get away from people he went up a mountain to be with his father to be envisioned and empowered and encouraged in order to be with people more that changed my whole life I was like wow God you know when I get busy in ministry it just means I need to pray more I need to spend more time with my father because more is going out of me Amen? So Jesus did this place of interancy, this place of going away with God, a place of learning and growing. Look at this one. You ever heard of the Sermon on the Mount? Matthew 5. Now he saw a crowd and he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. You see, discipleship, you guys, is at the feet of Jesus. It's about proximity. It's not about doing things. It's about being with him. You know, the Bible teaches us very clearly that spiritual things cannot be discerned out of God revealing them, really. You want to learn, you want to be taught, you want to read your Bible. You know, a lot of people say to me, I read the Bible, it's boring, I don't get anything out of it. I'm telling you, you're going about it all wrong. Don't read your Bible to reach God, read your Bible with God. That's game changer, I just told you. That little line. You know, when I open the Word of God, the first thing I do is Pray. Say, God, this is a spiritually discerned God, I'm not going to get anything out of this unless you're with me. You know how fun reading my Bible with God is? And guys, I don't worry about reading three chapters every day. Sorry. Great if you're on a one-year reading plan. I'm okay with that. That's nothing wrong with that. Praise God. I read until I meet with God. And then I stop there and I ask him questions like, God, why did you put this this way? God, why, what are you speaking to me about? And half of my prayer time is just being silent. <laughs> Your pastor, has nobody taught you how to pray? No, I, I get that. But how many know God speaks? And when he speaks, guys, it's, it's wow. It's just wow. Okay, so go up this mountainside, take the journey, get quiet with God, It's powerful. A place of resolving conflict. (laughs) He went up a mountain. They're arguing in John chapter 7, vicious arguing. And uh, the Pharisees, the religious people, are arguing with his disciples. And within themselves, they actually start arguing to each other. And um, it's interesting, at the end of the verse, it says, then each one went to his own home. But Jesus went up the mountain of olives. You ever been in an argument with somebody, you know, difficulty, and the last thing you want to do is pray? You're like, God, they're wrong this time. God, they're they're the one that's at fault. God, they need to come to me. You you ever had that discussion? Maybe you're the only one. Um, Maybe I'm the only one. Um, But, you know, what happens when I go to prayer about a conflict I'm having with somebody, you know, the amazing thing is, truthfully, God very little talks about the other person. (laughs) I'm looking for affirmation for my anger, my my whatever it is, and suddenly God's talking about me. And he's talking about the button that got pressed in me that set set me off. Why do you think you felt that way? I don't want to talk about me, God. (laughs) Let's talk about them. You know how many times I've gone to prayer and just saying, Lord, this time the woman you gave to me is at fault. And you know how many times I've had to go to my wife and say, I'm really sorry, honey, now? Like almost every time. Now it's just kind of regular. I'm almost. Not every time because she's not quite reached uh, that level of uh, total maturity, but she's very close, Okay. that's good honey was that good <laughs> yeah, I still gave you a room to grow but you're almost perfect so so there is a, a place of travailing guys this is just a cool study all the times he goes up a mountain so this is I love, I'm going to read this scripture because it's such a cool thought uh, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives as usual how often did he pray well it was usual okay And his disciples followed him. On reaching a place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them. He knelt down and he prayed. Now, guys, remember, this is the Garden of Gethsemane. The weight of the world is on him. The sins of the world are being placed on him. The Bible says he was under such stress that he began to burst blood cells in his face and was bleeding. None of us can comprehend that level of stress, but I'm telling you, some of you have been that place. So close. So close. The stress of a loved one, the stress of finances, the stress of, of losing someone. Guys, you've been close. And the last thing you actually want to do when you're feeling that stress is pray. When you don't want to pray, the one thing you need to do is pray. When you've done everything to stand, the Bible says, give up. No. No, it doesn't say that. I hope the live stream didn't just crash right there. (laughs) And you've done everything to stand. Stand firm then and put on the armor of God. Amen? Okay. So, a great place of commissioning and empowerment. Great commission where God called the church to go into the world. Guess what happened? Where it happened? Well, I'll read it to you. Matthew 28. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. This place of commissioning, this place of being empowered by God. Listen, guys, it's not just pastors or priests or prophets that are anointed by God. You are anointed by God to do the job that you're doing right now. You can meet God to become a better truck driver a better nurse, a better banker, a better farmer, a better mother, a better father, a better carpenter, a better preacher. You can meet God. It'll change your life to invite Christ into your work. Say, God, help me to be. God, show up today. God, give me wisdom today. I don't know how to fix this thing right now, but you've called me to do this job. Now help me to do it. You'll be amazed how many times God will meet you there. Amen? So you're not alone in your everyday life, church. God wants you to do life with Him every day. It's not just on Sundays that you're a Christian. You're a Christian every day because you're doing and you're following Christ. You're doing life with God. I love this one. So I'm going to read the Scripture. Bear with me. It's a place of glory and transformation. Jesus in chapter 9 of Mark, and he's in three of the Gospels, Luke and Matthew as well. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain. Not just a mountain. This one took some work. Where they were there all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white. Whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And this is incredible. They're up there. They meet with Moses. They meet with with uh, God. They meet with uh, Elijah and representing the prophet, representing the law, and now Christ, the New Testament hope, the new covenant. God the Father speaks. This says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. I'm well pleased with him, so listen to him. That's the message to you and I. Sorry, I cut out of the scripture. We'll come back to it right now. When they came down to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of Allah arguing with the disciples as soon as the people saw Jesus they were overwhelmed with run wonder and ran to greet him see guys as we spend time with God we are literally transformed into his image if you want to be a different person spend time with God the bible teaches that it's the glory of God that changes us hallelujah we need to be in his presence in order to be changed. But that's an incredible thing. When you come down from the mountain, it also changes others around us. You see, guys, when Moses was in, uh, on Mount Sinai and uh, he came down from the mountain, um, the Bible says that people were terrified. They were p- terrified and they didn't want to be next to him. They couldn't even see him. And so they would run away and hide. And in the New Testament, Jesus comes down the mountain And what happens? They run toward him. (laughs) They're actually in wonder and in awe, and they're like, wow, 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 wow. Look at how amazing Jesus looks. Guys, when we spend time with God, our life becomes more pleasing to others. (laughs) You want to be a better husband, a better wife? Don't worry about your husband's prayer life or your wife's. You go spend time with God. God will change you, amen? Which really leads us to our next thought. You know, why climbing the mountain is hard, hard to do in prayer. Here it is, trying to climb, we're trying to climb the wrong mountain. We're trying to climb the wrong mountain. You know, if we start prayer by repenting of all the things we've done wrong, how many of you know that you're actually going to get up and walk away from 90 times out of 100 for your prayer? If you start the prayer with all the things you've done wrong and how bad you are and why you don't deserve to be there, you're just going to quietly get up and go get a coffee. But That's how Jesus told us to pray, right? He said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed, worshipped, revered standing in awe God causing gratitude and and a full expression of hope and goodness and grace God thank you thank you thank you that I get to climb the mountain of prayer and meet with you this way I don't own it I don't deserve it I'm not owed this God you've made the way and you've said come climb the mountain of prayer with me hallelujah Jesus see you're climbing the wrong mountain Hebrews 12 tells us about this, and Pastor Hayward mentioned this Scripture, but I'm going to just read through it. It's not going to come on your screen, and I just want you to think about it. See, there's a mountain of fear and a mountain of joy. You have not come, you have not come to a mountain that cannot be touched that is burning with fire to darkness gloom and storm to a trumpet blast and to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded if even an animal touches the mountain it must be stoned to death the sight was so terrifying that even Moses said "I am, I am trembling with fear that is not the mountain you're climbing church what kind of mountain are you climbing listen to this But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Now, why would God do that? Is the Old Testament God the grumpy, not kind God, and the New Testament God is the way better God? No. You guys have to understand the purpose of the Old Testament, and this is a very quick summary thought. The purpose of the Old Testament was to show mankind how utterly unable they are to reach and be worthy to be in the presence of God. And the purpose of the Old Testament second fold is to show you how sinful sin actually is, the destructive wickedness of sin. And so the whole purpose of the Old Testament was to show you that you can't reach God on your own. You can't do it on your own. Stop trying to climb that mountain. Stop going to prayer with saying, well, God, I've repented of everything. God, now are you going to hear me now? No, you go to prayer and say, God, thank you that you hear me. God, thank you that you've made a way. Thank you, God. I'm not not kept out. I'm allowed in. You've adopted me into your family. You've made a way. You've wiped away all my sins, and you've said, now you are holy. Come into my presence. (laughs) Woo! I know. It's so good. Again, God is not bad in the Old Testament and good. He's just showing you your utter need of him and his mercy. But in the New Testament the way is opened (laughs) through Jesus' work for us. So good. Here's the second reason why it's hard to climb the mountain. It takes commitment and focus to climb. You know, this 40 days of fasting is a great opportunity for you actually to sign up for a time of prayer. Because I'm going to tell you, every excuse in the world will come to you oh, I can't pray today. Oh, my kids are doing, oh, oh, uh, the dishes aren't, oh my gosh, there's laundry. The laundry can wait. The dishes can wait. Take a piece of paper, put it next to you in prayer, and write it down. Have to do dishes. Have to do this. And then just keep praying. Amen? You're not going to forget it. You're not going to forget it. It's all good. Call to worship and focus to climb. Dedicate prayer, time, is essential during these times of fasting and prayer. Let me close with this last thought, and then Betty's gonna come and share an amazing thing that happened in her life. What happens, guys, when the righteous do nothing? Well, there's actually an example of it in scripture. When Jesus was being tried for crimes he didn't commit, There was no one there to defend him. The trial happened early in the morning, before people were even awake. They were all asleep. His defenders were asleep. Guys, the righteous were asleep. The week before, they were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now there's nobody there. And they go to condemn him, to To death, and this is so amazing. It's so profound. Even the person they had to get permission to execute him was the leader of the Romans, Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate was trying desperately to set this Jesus free. He was literally like pleading with them, guys. You can set him free, guys. He's not done nothing deserving of death. And and the Bible actually records something that's so profound. Luke twenty three twenty three says, but with loud shouts. They insistently demanded that he be crucified and their shouts prevailed. What if the righteous do nothing in this hour? Because I'm telling you, the enemy is shouting now louder than ever, guys. Demanding things that are not good or reasonable. And if we don't stand up, the enemy's shouts will prevail. Thanks for joining us today. For more on our messages or information about our ministries, you can visit tfhchurch.ca. We hope you have a great week.